So, so there's a, just a little bit of caution of even if you get a good deal, um, spending money is not saving money. You need to have you need to have some clarity that you are pointed in the right direction. And and the best way to know that is to not be guessing. What you're going to do is you're going to think about the conversations that you're having uh, and how you would approach this if you were invited to speak at an event where someone knew you. Like that's like the stadium pitch, right? From Chet Holm. Like if you don't have the stadium pitch of how you would talk to a cold market, then then maybe you shouldn't be spending lots of money to build a website yet. You know your company needs a killer website to compete in the modern marketplace, but can you afford it? In this episode, I'm talking with founder and head of growth, Kevin Barber, about website design pricing. We'll break down the details and give you all the information you need to get the right site for the right price. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host today, Mallory Kuhn, and today I'm joined by Kevin Barber, our head of growth. Hi there, Kevin. How are you? Hey, excited to be here. I'm doing great. Excellent. So as uh, I'm sure the title of this episode has given it away for our listeners, today we're going to be talking about uh, website design pricing and, you know, breaking down the different elements and strategies for, you know, how web design projects can be priced and how you can expect um, to budget for them. So to kick things off for our listeners, can you give us a brief overview of your history in the website design industry? Sure. So um, I got started as an entrepreneur in the early 2000s. And um when I was doing that and setting up websites and doing Legion for my own purposes, uh, I started getting calls to see if other people could help me. And uh, around 2003, I decided I should just become a web shop because every project is leading to other phone calls. It was early in this game. And I became a web shop for about 10 years, up until about 2013. Um, and, uh, and, and in that process, I built definitely over 100 websites. And I learned a couple lessons, which is a website by itself does not make you money. It costs you money. Right. Okay. Because nobody sees it. Nobody engages with it. Nobody converts with it. And then we became kind of an inbound team. We're like, we got to drive traffic to this website. And uh, and I learned that in in about five, six years of being kind of an inbound agency, still building websites, but driving traffic, then not every single person driving traffic to said website is successful. If you go across all companies driving traffic to their website, you're going to find only a fraction are successful. Right. So it's not just traffic just to a website. There, there's other components that have to be in there, other ingredients to make it successful. And now today, uh, we really focus on helping supply those ingredients, help helping companies develop the ingredients that's going to make their marketing profitable. And, and the goal is that your website is your number one salesperson. So that's that's my background in this. And therefore, for that to happen, we have to raise the bar. We have to raise the bar on the expectation for our website. And we have to raise the bar on the amount of work that we're willing to put into it. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, obviously I completely agree because I've been, uh, you know, working with you and and uh, uh, for our listeners know that this is the uh, first marketing gig I have worked in. First time I've worked in, you know, website creation and stuff like that. Um, so I am very schooled <laughs> in our thought process and I think it's a great way to approach it. Um, so you've been in the game a while. Uh, I'm also curious just as like a brief um, exploration, what are some of the most like significant changes you've seen 
uh, in the industry over the years um, or, you know, some things that maybe common or even common challenges that uh, companies have been same mistakes that they've been making for years and years. Right. So if you were to take a look at a bell curve of adoption, so if you could Google adoption bell curve, you're going to see that standard bell curve where we have er innovate early adopters and they're the innovators. Then you have the early majority, then you have the late majority and they have the laggards. Right. So when you're in the innovator space, like that's when we had like the dot com boom and bust is like if you just had a website, all of a sudden people were just throwing money. At you, right. <laughs> right. Uh, and then and that was like a, a little bit of uh, that might be where we are a little bit AI today, just like a little bit of just like unregulated optimism. OK, <laughs> it's going to solve everything. Uh, and then you then you kind of realize, oh, crap, it's not a perfect solution. We don't have what we need for this to actually be sustainable. And then it pulls back. And then but once some traction rule occurs, that's when the early majority goes, wait. It actually does work. And they come in like it's like if we're to look at this broadly, like over the last decade, two decades. Uh, yeah. The early adopters came in. They lost some money. Right. They needed to figure it out. The early majority came in and it was a land grab. And a lot of them are still getting paid today for the market share that they were able to establish early in the game. The late majority has come in. So it used to be if you were the one in your space doing digital marketing, you won because you were there. And now everyone's there. So what's happened is, is the standards have continued to increase, 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 increase. Um, so therefore, now you can't just have a website. You must have a customer centric website is not made. Your website is not for you and it is not about you. It is for your target market. It is about your target market. It is a customer centric tool and your job is to serve them. And when you understand your customer and what they're thinking through, your website needs to begin there if you want to engage the market. Because most people aren't just going, where can I buy this? Please, can I find a place? Um, that is not the market's mindset around it, no matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're doing solar panels or you're doing you know, high-tech software. It doesn't matter if you have a service or a restaurant or whatever. Now, the fact is, is they're trying to say, why should I pay attention to you? And the only way that matters is if it applies to them. So, so what's 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 happened is is the customers' standards for the experience that they affect, expect from your website and your marketing have increasingly gone up so much so that most companies are behind. Yeah. Well, that kind of dovetails nicely into the next thing I wanted to talk about because you, we we mentioned briefly, you know, when you're talking about you know being the, the web design shop and all of those things. Uh, your journey to discovering the key elements um, of a website. Uh, I also want to talk about the key elements or stages, rather, of a website design project, right? I feel like it's all connected. So we know, uh, or at least we should know at this point, it's more than just slapping up a brochure <laughs> website, right? Um, so can can you speak to some of what goes into a strong web design project and the consequences of skipping out on some of those elements or stages. Cool. So we'll worry about stages in a minute. Here's what the stages are. All right. When you think about your website, okay, you're going to, we're going to think about wireframes, which is about getting the message, right? We're going to think about design, which is getting the look on brand and visually, it needs to visually tell the story so that, so that they just, their eyes just flow down the page in a seamless, intuitive way. And then the development is not just making the website work, but it's making it work, meaning it needs to be on a platform that serves you know, the analytics you need, serves your sales team the way they need it, 
and it fosters the conversation of what's performing and what's not because it's easy to get those answers. Those are the three phases. But what if I told you that most companies are not ready to talk about wireframes and, and we need to go into a step before that and be like, the biggest mistake that I see companies doing is they're making a website under the assumption that the person that sees it is ready to buy. Okay. Hi. And it's like, if we just showed them our product, if we just show them our solution, here's our solution, here's our services, here's our a product, and they're just going to want, want it. And, uh, and, 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 and I think the reason why it happens is because early in the game, you got some word of mouth referrals and word of mouth people. Most of the marketing was done by the person's mouth that referred them. So here was the problem I was having. Here's the solution. Here's roughly how it works. And that person, you, you got the trust from them, right? That person that they already knew, like, and trusted, that, that trust was conveyed upon to you. They already know the problem you solve, how you solve it, and that you've gotten results. And they just need to go, can I see it? Can I see it? Right. <laughs> you know, right. And can I afford it? And if so, maybe I'll just buy it, right? And And for a word of mouth audience you know, then a brochure website makes sense. But man, if we don't have this problem of not thinking a whole lot about where where are the people coming to our website? Where are they going to be com coming at mindset-wise? Uh, and if you're going to go out marketing to a cold audience that doesn't know you, doesn't necessarily like or dislike you, definitely doesn't trust you, you can't just make that brochure, web brochure website going, here's our tool, do you want to buy it? Um what happens is it's not effective in the cold market because it's not what they're thinking, feeling, doing. Um, so the the stage before the wireframes, if we're going to talk about the stages, is is we got to think about what is our what is our positioning in our go to market and 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 our go to market is like what is our customer thinking right now? What are they doing right now? What are they using right now? What's working for them? What's working against them? Are they aware of that? Do we need to educate them about the problem that they're having or are they super clear on not only the problem, but why, right? Because that's the first phase of marketing. And, and if they're like, okay, I realize I have these pain points, but I can't articulate why in an effective way, that's your job, right? And your, your marketing should probably start there for the cold market. And then they're going to go, well, why are you better than all these other ones that I've actually heard of? And if you can't talk to that, you can't talk about your method, your approach, your system, your way of getting a result that's outperforming others, um, and that's the job of that's the job of your marketing to do that. If it doesn't do that, there's a big gap because they're just going to see you saying you have this problem and we have a solution and they're not going to believe that you're it. And I want to have say this, we have this method, you need to back that with results. And in the highest form level, if you can't if you can't think about that, when we, that's kind of that go to market positioning, then I don't view us as wireframe ready, right? Now there's a caveat to that. I don't like talking in absolutes. If you have a huge list, you have a great YouTube show, you have a very successful podcast, you have loyal listeners that know you, like you, trust you, you can send them to a website that's just about your service and right. some of them will buy. But if you do not have that and you're trying to gather that audience and bring people that don't know you, like you, trust you to your website, you must do this work or your marketing will not be profitable. Okay? You're not going to get it. The amount of people that you bring that were actually ready to buy will be too few. Like... It's like, it's going to be like fishing with a net. Like, it's just not going to pay for the gas of taking the boat and the crew out there. You're not going to be catching enough because way too many fish are going to be fitting through the net. But if you tie in that net a little bit with, with a tighter mesh, 
starting with where they are, all of a sudden you're going to, you're going to catch way more fish, maybe a little early, but that's what sales get to do. They get to see people that are engaging early and they get to start nurturing them to get them ready. Um, does that make sense? So, so that's the deal. Now, I don't think I went into some of the other actions, but I want to talk about that critical phase before you go into wireframes, because sometimes you just go, oh, we just need something up. That is like the recipe for this is not going to make you any money. Right, right. Well, and that is a great point because, you know, we're talking budgeting here. We're talking pricing and all of that. Um, but, you know, it, it's essential to make sure you're going to get a return on that investment. And if you don't have those critical building blocks set up for you, um, you won't. <laughs> right. So, so there's a, just a little bit of caution. If even if you get a good deal, um, spending money is not saving money. You need to have you need to have some clarity that you are pointed in the right direction. And and the best way to know that is to not be guessing. <laughs> like you should not be putting a hypothesis of what you think will work out there. What you're going to do is you're going to think about the conversations that you're having. Uh, and how you would approach this if you were invited to speak at an event where someone knew you. Like that's like the stadium pitch, right? From Chet Holmes and the ultimate sales machine. Uh, like if you don't have the stadium pitch of how you would talk to a cold market, then then maybe you shouldn't be spending lots of money to build a website yet. So so like there is that go-to-market readiness, um, which is when that's dialed, I mean, to be honest with you, the confidence that your website is going to be successful should go up because you're not guessing. Uh, and then frankly, you're, you're, you're willing to invest in making that website great should go up because you're not guessing. And then if I had a message for you, it's not about how to, um, guess the best it's how to, it's how to, how to reverse engineer, uh, to where, you know, something works before you launch it. And that's about having tested it with actual humans, send it out to your email newsletter and, and find that message that is magnetic. It, it, it draws the people you want. It's totally okay if it's also polarizing and it pushes away the people that aren't right for you. You know, that, that you could argue that's helpful. You don't right. just need all the traffic. You need the right traffic, right? Um, and when you find that message, boom, now now we're wireframe ready. Now we need to take this out and make it our uh, our first. Uh, most of the time, it, the website is the first touch of them being involved with your brand. They haven't talked to sales yet, right? They have never heard your voice before. Uh, so, so that's where um, we get ready, you know? Yeah. I think that's great advice. That's great advice. So let's say now we have that step done, right? We're gonna we're living in that space where we we know we are wireframe ready based on that great analysis. Um, let's talk about the web design project itself. So, do different agencies use different pricing models? You know, can we talk through the ways that an agency might price their project? So, you know, if our listeners are looking to work with an agency or, you know, we could talk a little bit about Lean Labs specifically, how, you know, we price out our projects to give them just kind of an idea of, uh, you know, obviously the pricing is going to vary based on what they need and where they go. But, uh, you know, are there some building blocks that they can expect to look for or factors that will always impact the price? Right. So there's four pricing models. Okay. And I'll briefly cover them. So the, the pricing models are um, hourly. Okay. Uh, fixed, like project price, value-based pricing. I'm charging you based upon what I estimate the value to be, regardless of how much effort it is. And then there's like a little bit of a hybrid of a project base, which which is what we use, which we call points-based pricing. So uh, if I could caution you a little bit, in my opinion, hourly-based pricing is a blank check. 
Okay. Because what happens is they're like, well, we'll see how many hours it will be and you're going to get the bill at the end. And they're providing an estimate, right? And normally those are the least well-scoped because they have the least risk for what happens if their estimate is wrong. You pay for it. And so what happens is, well, would you build a house that way? Well, we'll just see how, we'll just see how long this takes and we're going to send you the bill at the end. Right. Like there's like no incentive to do that. So I, I really would caution you on building a website under a, just an hourly engagement. Um, building a website in-house oftentimes seems very appealing. Oh, well, we have our product team. We'll let them build the website. But they tend to be doing that under an hourly thing. And oftentimes six months later, that thing still not live uh, yeah. because there's not there was not a confinement of the scope and the effort and the time frame to do it, right? Now, if you have a team that's built lots of websites and that's literally their expertise and those websites are successful, I'm not saying don't do it, but you still might want to not manage it under that hourly or just find out what it costs at the end structure, okay? Um, option number two, fixed price. That's when they bid it. Okay, that can be ideal depending on how they deal with change orders and discovering scope along the way. Because like if you were to think about the home improvement business, what they do is oftentimes it literally is the bidding strategy of a home improvement person is to come in with the most simple build plan and then with the lowest price to win the job. And, and then when they suggest ideas to you along the way, and that's a change order and that's a change order and that's a change order. And, and to suggest that only happens in the home improvement space and is not happening in the website building space is wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are companies out there. Uh, I'm familiar with some of them that that sell a very low in entry product, knowing that it will not completely solve the problems. Does that make sense? But it's an entry point, and once you're invested with them, the likelihood is that you will continue with them down that road. Uh, I don't think that that's a super amazing way to do business. So, right. so that's the weakness of the of the fixed price. It, and if that if that project is detailed out so much so that this can't happen. That's a great way to go. It's a great way to go. And then you, all you need to decide is, am I willing to invest the weeks that it takes to really get that dialed? Um, I've never seen a proposal or request RFP, RFQ that was detailed enough to not be massively exposed to crazy scope creep and change orders. Okay. So, so that would be my caution there. Value-based pricing. If you're dealing with the, the premier website builder in in the ecosystem like you have the very best uh hubspot website builder or webflow website builder or wordpress website builder and you know it you know they're the market leader well frankly you're not hiring them based upon how many hours it takes them you're hiring them on the value of getting to work with them right so therefore they're probably going to bring you value-based pricing it's 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 a value of what getting it through me will will most likely maybe be worth to you <laughs> um and uh, and you should expect to pay a premium that way. Um, at the same time, so on the good side is you're probably when someone brings you value based pricing, they probably are a little bit more of an expert in their field. Number two, I just need you to know that other people would do it for less. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, right? You know, uh, most people don't drive the cheapest car. Most people don't live in the cheapest house. Most people don't want the cheapest website. <laughs> so uh, so so. Uh, so that's the third deal. Now, what we do is we do a points-based system, which is a uh, it's a variation of um, of a fixed-price website, and it basically says we've built these things before. Okay, so a homepage at, at 
you know, and a, and a product page and a solution page, the copywriting, right? The strategy first, the copywriting second, the design third, the uh, development and implementation and training of you of how to manage said website is our known elements. Like, like it's, we're not going to get it exactly right. Cause that's impossible. Every client <laughs> is different. Right? right. But we, we know our numbers. We know where this sits. So we have a points based system where, where this approach that we're taking for your website, which we aligned on, is going to require this many points. And this is our rate for this many points. But if we go over, it's on us. You know? And and I have found that that, like, I'm from Kansas. Like, we're, we're just a little bit off a of, uh, handshake. You know, like, we've evolved a little bit. So it used to be just the handshake. Now it's a handshake and a clarifying document. Right. <laughs> but I just want to make sure my customers win. And I just we're a no change order company. Right. And we put into there. We call them grease points. We put in a few grease points like we know that a couple of things are going to come up and we want to say yes. So we're going to make the small budget for it. And 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 that's something that we do. And it's, a, it's just a variation of fixed price. Yeah. It, it keeps it fixed. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. It keeps it actually fixed <laughs> right. instead of quote unquote fixed price. Well, we, we've kind of touched on a little bit with, uh, with the change orders and, and the, the various things like that. Um, but I kind of want to dig a little deeper about the specific things that can impact the cost, right? So what role does the level of customization, complexity, uh, you know, all of that play in determining the final price? And are there any sneaky costs like the change orders, right? But, you know, things that someone might not expect up front. So, you know, fees, hosting, maintenance, updates, all of that stuff. Right. So um, how do we approach this? And it's also going to be very important that we talk about actual dollars. Like, let's talk about actual dollars. Um, but in front of this, like, what are the things that you may not be thinking about? The first thing is, is I think you got to know what platform you're going to put this on that's going to enable your team to actually use said website before you go around and get any budgets or quotes. Are you going to run this and, and, and integrate your data heading into Salesforce? Are you going to do that with HubSpot? Are you going to, you know, if you're building on Webflow, which is a great website building tool, well, it's not an amazing analytics tool. So what is your plan for that, right? And, and and how is that whole thing going to come together? What you don't want to do is build a website on a platform that you realize after you're done that you could have done it, should have done it a different way to actually serve you. So, so, so there's the misplatformed, forgot to have that conversation, you know, mistake. Um, once you know that, you don't have any questions about hosting uh, anymore. Uh, the second thing that people get uh, pretty not aware of is like, who's going to maintain this thing after it goes live? If I can right. give you a suggestion, the answer is you, right? <laughs> so like, you are not going to be beholden to some web shop to make changes to your website. That was a model like more than a decade ago. That's not a good model today because companies need to be faster to market. You should not only have the pages you need, but you should have the modules that you need, the sections, the building blocks that made that website that allow you to change any page or launch any new page you need with the components they built to build your website. In my opinion, that should be your table stakes, okay? Because uh, otherwise, you're stuck in going back to them. Was that part of your plan? Um, it's not an ideal plan. You want to be able to have an in-house marketer that has everything they need, right? And, and the fact is, is your website will evolve over time as the market shifts, as you learn new data, as you test different pages, different, you, you learn something in a conversation and it works so well, you did it in the next five conversations and that works so well, you need to get it on the homepage. You need to be able to do that yourself. Right. 
You know, yeah. otherwise that website won't be your best salesperson. It's going to be what we thought might have worked two years ago, but it's not what we're saying to anyone. And that's when your marketing is not going to be profitable. So, so the first one is you need to be on the right platform. The second one, regardless of the platform, you need that website built in a modular, editable, we can maintain this ourselves way. Uh, and then the third is you need to you need to know what numbers are good and are not good. Um, and that's from a website performance perspective, like page load speed, core web vital scores, ADA compliance. Like you need to know how you're going to evaluate said website, but also on a marketing performance so that when that homepage has too high of a bounce rate or exit rate, um, you know, you know that that's a bottleneck that's keeping your marketing from being effective. I think that all of that goes into the planning for a website. Um, we do have a marketing maturity matrix. If you want to check that out, probably a process for another thing of just understanding where do you sit in in this? Because I think that the goal of the website is to solve, it is to perform well. And if it's not going to perform well, like, like, why would you get in the fight? Like, right. I really think it's a, um, you know, you don't want a half-ass website. You want a whole-ass website. You know, like you would do the <laughs> whole thing, or you should probably not do it. You know. Well, okay. Well, on the subject of those metrics, right? Let's yep. let's talk about a little bit about bench benchmarks, but for pricing, <laughs> right? So, are there any industry standards for what a business owner can use as a benchmark to determine whether the price an agency or a web shop wants to charge is reasonable, or is there such a benchmark? Perhaps there is not. Right. So, um, sadly, it is the wild west, Mallory. It is the <laughs> wild west. So, if you want a so Lean Labs is websites. We're more on the premium side, but not on the ultra premium side. Uh, if I was to kind of benchmark that X to Y average of the last ten websites, uh, we're going to go fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Now, some people were blown away that a website could cost that much just now. And some people, uh, like publicly traded companies, stuff like that, they're like, what? <laughs> How is that possibly <laughs> achievable? Um, like, we assume every single car is a Bentley, you know? Uh, or every single website is a Bentley of of, of a price range. So, right. um, yeah, so, yeah, we've done a few projects that, that go that way uh, because of the complexity of getting their team aligned, honestly more than anything else. Um, but but like that's where we, we live. That doesn't mean where it's where you should live because that, that customer knows their target market, has proven out their message, right? That even if it's just in sales calls, conversations and, and stage, you know, and speaking from the stage or a podcast or whatever. And what we're able to do is understand their message and turn that into messaging in a buyer journey that makes sense to anchor all of their core marketing. Right. And, and in order to do that, yeah, you're not going to build a $5,000 website that does that. Or if you know of a company that is able to do it, please let me know that company because I will buy. It. OK, so um, <laughs> please send it across. I'll, I'll definitely hat tip you on that. Uh, and, and that's the deal. Um, does that mean you should never start with a $5,000 website? No, it, it doesn't. I mean, if you want to go out and you want to run a test, don't run a $125,000 test. Right. You can launch a website on a number of tools. You know, it's not just Wix and some of the other ones anymore. You can you can roll out a HubSpot starter, you know, license. You can build a pretty effective website with a website building tool that will be on brand to test your message to find out what works for $5,000 or less than $5,000, right? Um, we have a theme-based system on HubSpot 
that allows you to build out on-brand modules to test out your messaging that you can literally do yourself, right? To figure out if your messaging is on point or not, because it's not going to be the graphics. There's no amount of pretty pixels that makes a website <laughs> message work, right? It's about, were you able to engage them and were you able to convert them on the value of your message and your offer? Like if you need to test that, consider building it yourself or getting a team and let them know you're building out a proof of concept to test messaging, which means that website build plan should be all about split testing. Okay. Should be all about split testing. And, and yeah, you should probably be rolling out to market less than 10 K, but there's still companies that will build you a $3,000 website. And I bet there's still companies go to five or go to 99 designs that will build you a $300 website. So the pricing is the wild west. I would argue that it is not as much the price that you pay, but the results that you get. So right. think of it is think about it for like college. Now this is a little bit of a misnomer because I have my own views on our educational system, but <laughs> but the fact is is that are you looking for the cheapest college, right? Or are you looking for the best education and the network that comes with it, right? There's a reason why the more premium colleges charge what they charge is because there are components to come with it. I think that the, the job broadly is to know that you can get a website will cost whatever you want it to cost. Whatever you want. You can pick that magic number and 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 I will show you how to find it. 99design, <laughs> Upwork, Fiverr, right? Guru.com if that's still a thing. Um and uh and and you can get the number that you want. Okay? Um you can go to low tier agencies and have websites in the five to fifteen thousand dollar range. And this is assuming you're working with them on messaging, et cetera, the whole cake, right? Um, and then you can work at mid tier, which is gonna be like fifteen to fifty. And then you can look at high tier, which is gonna be fifty to, you know, like where we land, fifty to two hundred. And then you could look at like ultra premium tier because you're paying be because this person touched it. I wanted right. this person's personal hands. I wanted Dan Kennedy's hands. I wanted Ryan Dice's or Russell Brunson's hands on my marketing. Uh, well, you're going to pay a premium for that. You know, right. that's more the value-based pricing direction. Um, how did I do in answering that? You Feel free to push back if you want to go into more numbers. No, I think that's a great answer because it is so uh, broad. And I think that that's, uh, honestly, I think that the big writer downer, the take-home point from that section for, for our listeners is you can pay whatever you want, but just carefully consider what it is that you actually want. Uh, and to focus more on results than on pricing. And, you know, I think we, we were talking a bit off air before uh, we began recording. But, you know, oftentimes people aren't just looking for the cheapest car. They want a safe car. They need a car with XYZ features, right? Um, you know, you, oh, the cheapest car on the lot is this tiny sedan, but you have four kids, you know? Um, you You need to consider the features, the functionality that you need from your site and the results that you want from it. And then use that to set the price that you're looking to pay. If there's something, and we'll have to go shallow on this one, but if there's something that I see the market oftentimes not judging ideal, the way I would do it, how about that, is they're not thinking about what phase of growth they're in. So are we looking to, to test a message? Are we looking to uh, hire someone to help us develop what we think are the core ingredients into like an optimized recipe message? <laughs> or are we in the, we know this, and we're just looking to optimize our buyer journey for premium conversion rates, remove all friction, et cetera. Those are three different projects, which really require three different budgets and three different approaches, right? And, and, the, and the goal is, is if you don't have clarity around what phase of growth you're in, 
and what the results are you need from your website, um, the likelihood of it delivering you those undefined results is pretty low because it, it, it there's probably not a strategic intent. Um, the probably the worst advice is to look around and go, well, my competitors have websites, so I need a website. How do I get a website cheap? Oh, my competitors have blog posts, so I need blog posts. How do I get blog posts cheap? All my competitors have ads, so I need ads. How do I get ads cheap? You know, uh, you know, most likely all three of those investments are not going to deliver ROI. <laughs> and, and it's because of the mindset. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive a little more into the kinds of because we've talked a lot about the questions or the, you know, the steps that um, a business owner uh, needs to have in place before they're even ready to wireframe or to partner with someone for for a project. When they reach the point where they are ready, they're they're shopping around, they're talking to different agencies, they've got their, you know, price range um, kind of set for what they're looking to, uh, you know, budget for. What are some of the questions that that business owner should be asking the agencies they're speaking with when they're considering partnering with them on a web design project so they can determine whether the the agency's a good fit, the solution is worth the price for their company? Yeah. So um, I'm going to show you something that agencies do that I think is not ideal. Um, what they'll do is is if you go to their success page, they're gonna they basically found some number that moved. And they use that as the basis of their success story. Oh, we we decrease the exit rate. Oh, we we increase the conversion rate. Oh, we you know optimized the um the, the bounce rate dropped forty percent, or the social shares went up sixty two percent. But the fact is, is the number of social shares doesn't mean it made any money, right? Okay. So if it, if you were going to hire a web design agency, the first thing that I would do is I would look to say, you know what. What are the performance standards of a website that you make, right? What are the performance standards? Like what metrics would I be judging your work upon? Then I would ask them, great, what are the minimum thresholds and the targets for those metrics? By the way, you have just eliminated right now 70% of all agencies. Because <laughs> they're not going to have it. They're going to go, we're going to get back to you, right? And then and then the third question is, is can I... Can I realistically expect that I will get these results from a website working with you? And then and then the fourth one is go, great, can you show me four examples you've done this year? Now you have eliminated 95% of all of those marketing agencies. Um, because the fact is, is most of them are, are built around and structured around output, not outcome. They will build you a website, but whether that website actually delivers results, they're not. Okay, so, so, so that's the deal. And then, you know, like, can, can and and then the deal is, is like, can you just show me three websites that have actually achieved this result? How about in the last two years? But, but the deal is, it's not a result; it's the result, the result that actually matters, not not some random vanity metric, right? Okay? Um, I think that that's a decent way. That this is kind of part of my hiring process for a marketer. Are you good at? Uh, webinars like oh yeah I understand webinars you've done webinars yes great can you show me a webinar that's done at least a half a million dollars even if it was over over five or six or seven webinars but can you show me any webinar structure that you've made that's made at least a half a million dollars okay well I just eliminated 95% of people that told me they were good at webinars you know and um, I'm like well so you're good at doing them but 
but I need someone who's good at making them work. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, uh, so there's a big <laughs> difference there. You know, and, and I think that we talk about this concept in Lean Labs a lot, which is the difference between understanding and knowing. Understanding is I understand the concepts. And knowing is I've gone through all of the pain to actually get the result. And those are two very different fields. I mean, ChatGPT understands the concepts, right? Um, but it doesn't know because it hasn't actually achieved the result. And, the, and inside of that comes a level of experience of being able to foresee all of the problems that are going to come up. All right. If you're hiring someone to solve this problem for you for the first time, they might have built 30 websites, but they've never actually achieved the result. They're going to get the result for the first time. You should be getting a heck of a deal and expect a low likelihood. This is like putting eight on the roulette table. One thirty three or however, however that works. You know what I mean? It's, it's a low success um, deal. Um, so I think that you just need to you can interview well by asking about the results and benchmarks and hire a company that's tracking them and can demonstrate results. Okay. And there's probably no company for which everything they touch turns to gold. Okay. But, but if you have a company that will help you understand where you're at and what you need to do to take at least a step to get to some gold, well, you can take the gold that you got and you can reinvest in the next step. So, so that, that's the way I would approach it. Yeah. Well, let's let's make sure that uh, you know to close out here. Let's make sure we can uh, walk the walk, and not just talk the talk here. Uh, can you share an example of a Lean Labs client where the ROI was well worth the cost of the website? <laughs> right. So, all right, I'm slightly self um, self self promoting here, but if you go to leanlabs.com and you click on our results page, and it's results and pricing, we want to be pretty straight out there and let you know what kind of results we've gotten for clients. Um, the, the fact is, is that we've worked with, you know, mostly we're doing SaaS and tech companies, right? And, and we've definitely had companies where we're helping them find that message market match and offer fit. And we've helped them, uh, 2X, 3X, 5X, 10X, the, the, uh, the engagement of the number of qualified demos coming through their websites, right? And, and if you're doing demos, that's really the name of the game, right? Is we want to, we want to have, we want to position you as having dramatic demos, like demos that people need to come check out. And, and it's part of the messaging and part of the offer structure of making that demo page engage and convert. And the whole purpose of the website is to get the right people to the demo page. The purpose of the demo page is to introduce them to sales. That's the game. I don't actually sell your product. I sell meetings, you know, and, and I'm trying to make the reason of reaching out for a demo or a quote or a consult really effective, right? Uh, I think you'll find numerous of examples of us seeing 200% 300% improvements on that core metric. At the end of the day, purpose of a website is to be to set appointments with sales, right? And 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 the deal is is so so we know that the metric is sales qualified leads from marketing. Um and and if you're doing no marketing, know that the website alone will not solve for this. But if you're doing marketing, like we had one client that was um doing a lot of work through Captera. So a core part of our marketing uh, when we were testing their messaging, was also focusing a lot on making their Captera landing page convert. Were we able to get that to go like 5x, mainly because their conversion rate was so poor, not because we were so magical, okay? But that alone paid for everything else we needed to do. So it's really about finding finding a company that's going to figure out the metrics of where they can get you a win and let that pay for the rest of the party of the things you need to do next, even if it doesn't involve them. You know, um, 
that's the deal. At the end of the day, your website should be working towards getting your next marketing hire and your mark or sales hire. And then that person should be working on giving you enough ammo to, to pay for your next move. And that's how this should be compounding. Amazing. Amazing. So yeah, there you go, guys. You can check out uh, you know, the results page on leanlabs.com and uh, you can see for yourself. <laughs> yeah, and if you're wondering where you're at, you can check out the Growth Grader, growthgrader.com. Um, you can do HubSpot's website grader. You could just Google that. Uh, we have a marketing maturity matrix that we can walk you through, help you understand what phase of growth that you're in. There's a lot of things you can do without spending a lot of money just to get some direction. We give a lot of people direction that are not ready for us. Uh, and uh, the fact is, sometimes it's just our job to say that, hey, this is where you need to focus. Uh, and and then by focusing that, you know what? Some of them come back. <laughs> like That was right. great advice. And now I need this. And sometimes we send them away again. And then eventually <laughs> they're ready for us. You know? Right. I love that. I love that. Well, that's, you know, that's how you know. I feel like that's a good sign of working with a brand that actually cares about you. <laughs> right. Because right? some people would just take your money and run. <laughs> right. At the end of the day, like we, we're in the business of creating success stories. And when we do that well, we earn the right to do so profitably. Okay. Uh, and when we're not doing that well, well, we have the duty to figure our stuff out. And so part of that is being narrowed. Okay, there's a few things we know how to do well, and we're going to try to stay in that lane uh, despite uh, awesome, sometimes low-hanging fruit that requires small detours. So uh, so I think we've done decent with that, and uh, we're going to continue to stick to it. Well, that's a great note, I think, for us to, to wrap up on. So thank you so much uh, for joining me today, Kevin, to dive into all these nitty-gritty fun little details about web design and pricing. Right. We should turn this into the five website do's and don'ts, like, you know, the things that you should do, because uh, so much of a successful website comes in actually being ready and knowing what what you need to focus on, and how you get there uh, and, and setting a time frame and, and knowing the benchmark that enables you to move to the next phase. That That's the game. Um, and I hope this was helpful. Yeah, well, I think I think so. I think uh, our listeners will have gotten some great new insights that are going to help them make the best decision for their business when it comes, uh, you know, to website design. So thank you everyone out there for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And please be sure to take the time to rate or review the podcast uh, on your favorite podcast application. Uh, and until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year. Oh, <laughs>